Welcome to the Turn by Turn podcast. I'm Daniel, joined as always with Alex, and today we're going to wrap up our discussion on our hopes for future franchise installments. In this episode, we're going to be talking about Samurai Warriors, Shining Force, Fire Emblem, and then we'll rapid fire through some honorable mentions. And we're going to jump into Alex's next choice of Samurai Warriors. Yeah. So, Samurai Warriors... um, not too many people have heard of it, but a lot of people have heard of its brother franchise, Dynasty Warriors. Uh, same people, same idea. Dynasty Warriors is about ancient China. Samurai Warriors is about uh, Samurai Japan. And I really like both of those series. Um, but Samurai Warriors is just a little bit closer to my heart, so I decided to talk about that one. It's a like I said, it's a historical game series about samurai Japan, but they embellish and exaggerate a lot of things to make it more interesting. My favorite was the second one, and number five is releasing summer 2021. And so this is relevant because they're rebooting the series with that and changing all the character designs and focusing more on a smaller story uh, to flesh it out more. Um, they just had decent success with that in Samurai Warriors Spirit of Sonata, which is a spin-off of Samurai Warriors 4. And the quick explanation of like what their spin-off things are, um, the developers of the game, Koei, they build, in both Dynasty Warriors and Samurai Warriors, they build a base game, uh, which is like a numbered entry. So that'd be Samurai Warriors 1 through 4, um, Dynasty Warriors 1 through 9, etc., um, and then using whatever game they've just made, they build more games off of it to try and cut costs and save some money, um, and some effort. And some people criticize them as lazy for this, but I just don't, I haven't really cared because I've enjoyed the games anyway. <laughs> um, so just for example, like after Samurai Warriors 4 was made, we got 4-2, which is focusing on different parts of the story. Orochi 4, which is a crossover with Dynasty Warriors. Uh, Samurai Warriors 4 Empires, which is like a strategy game. And then Spirit of Sonata, which is a zoomed-in look at one of the most popular clans of the era. Um, And that clan's really popular because, like you were talking about in our last episode about Skyrim, the Sonata are sort of the rebels without a cause. Um, their allegiance changes a lot over the time, but they're very honorable for the most part. Um, they just have a really great story, um, as well as the most famous one, Yuki Murasanada, being seen as like the perfect samurai. And all these people really did exist. Um, and that's something that appeals to me about the games as well, is that it's all based in reality. You know, I see these amazing stories. And then there's like this little asterisk at the end that they finish with, and that really happened. Um, And it just adds some weight to it. But that brings us to Samurai Warriors 5. And I like Spirit of Sonata a lot. And my favorite faction from the period is the Oda, which is what Samurai Warriors 5 is about. So I'm really stoked for that. Um, But where do I want them to go with the franchise? I'm honestly not thrilled about it being a reboot. And you might say, like, it's based on history. How do you reboot? (laughs) Um, And the answer is that they basically are adding more playable characters each time. 
And that's really what I enjoyed about the series, is that every time they added new characters, they would add sort of their parts to this story and this greater narrative. And I could sort of get more into it um, by learning about these other people. But with rebooting it, they've decided to remove a lot of those characters and scale the cast down. So I'm not really in favor of that, but they're also going to focus more on the people we do have. So, yeah, not thrilled about that, but I, like I said, I like the Oda. So getting more characters from Oda and looking at them more seems like a good idea, too. Um, it also seems like Nintendo is pushing the franchise a lot more in terms of marketing than previous entries. Um, Samurai Warriors 5 was actually announced on a Nintendo Direct, which was not something I was expecting at all. So I'm really excited for if Nintendo wants to keep pushing them. Um, that'll definitely help them be a more global success. Let's see. Yeah, and I think part of that comes from Nintendo having worked with them a lot more recently on uh, Hyrule Warriors and uh, Fire Emblem Warriors. So they're definitely developing a relationship I'm happy about. For the future, though, if I can be like a little unrealistic, uh, I'm hoping the old characters all get brought back and added to the new ones. Um, and I don't want to get rid of all the new ones. I don't care as much about the ahistorical people. Um, I never have. That's just me. But um, one of the new additions they made was Yasuke, uh, who is the only black samurai in history. And he also just got a Netflix show. I don't know if that's made it to your circles. Um, have, have you seen anything about that? I have not, but um, now knowing that it's based on historical information i'm far more interested than i was before the show definitely got way more fantasy than even oh. i personally would have liked it to do i mean we have mechs and like magic and um <laughs> all sorts of crazy things but it was still a good time and i really like the character of yasuke so i'm glad that he's uh, in and he's one i'm probably the most excited to play as that's new but I'm hoping, too, that since more, a lot of people watch the Netflix show, it seems to be doing well, um, that care about Yasuke, maybe that'll translate to a lot of new fans flooding in. Something, too, that worries me about the future of the franchises uh, is that when Koei does a game like Hyrule Warriors or Persona 5 Strikers or any of these other licensed games, um, they end up a lot better in terms of like objective quality than Dynasty Warriors and Samurai Warriors games. And I think that's because they're held accountable by somebody else. <laughs> they they can't cut corners so much. Um, or they won't get these kinds of deals anymore. So I'd really like to see them bring that same energy to their primary franchises like Samurai Warriors. Because I think that if they put that same energy towards it, we could, you know, the bounds of what they could achieve would be a lot higher. But even if they don't, and even if... Uh, they don't do anything that I want. I'm a really big sucker for the warrior style combat. And so I'll probably be sticking around regardless because just the way you play the games, um, the character focusedness of them, uh, I just really enjoy. And I'm always going to want to see more franchises. I like adapted to that style because like Hyrule Warriors did, it's a really great time to give you control of characters you've never been able to control that you've just seen. Uh, and that always really excites me, just 
in terms of gaming and stories that I'd like to play as more characters that I'm not able to. So, yeah, essentially, where do I want them to go? More of the same. Um, bigger, better, further beyond. And I know some people are going to, that like the Warriors games also, are going to disagree and say, no, fewer characters is the way to go and fleshing them out more. But I just like having everybody around. And maybe we can do a hybrid of like focusing more on zoomed-in stories like Spirit of Sonata and Five seem to be doing while also just having more of those characters around. And I don't fully know how. Uh, maybe a free mode that lets you just play as them. Things like that. And if they need to save time uh, and just have less effort, I don't need a full art redesign every time. I really don't. Like, people can be kind of like Pokemon and just appear the same <laughs> the whole time. And uh, I don't think I'm going to get sick of it. I'm kind of okay with that. That's all about all I've got on... Samurai Warriors. My my thoughts are kind of the same as Dynasty for Dynasty Warriors, if you're curious. Just bigger, better, more. One other thing that I would like to see more from Samurai Warriors, I think, and uh, the Warriors series in general. Um, I know I said a lot of the stuff about I love the historical nature of it, and I would never want to abandon that. But the game series that crosses over Samurai and Dynasty Warriors, Warriors Orochi gets really wild and out there with uh, these stories um, that have to do with these people. And probably the best one, I thought, was Warriors Orochi 3, because it picked, like, a couple, a handful of characters from both of these series, and then that was your main cast for that game. And it was just really fascinating to have these characters that are historical and throw new challenges in front of them that they never faced. Um, on a scale like that they've never faced. Because basically this, for lack of a better word, demon Oro named Orochi shows up and uh, wants to fight the greatest warriors in history. And so he looks to samurai Japan and ancient China to do that. And so he brings them all together and stuff. It's, it's pretty nonsensical, but it's just really cool to get new stories with these characters slash people that really existed as well and challenge them in ways in which they were never challenged and then to see how they might react to that um i know that's like super historical nerd kind of stuff um and i'm kind of new to that too like i i've not been into history like that uh until just the past few years but it i think it gets really really neat so i'd like to see a little bit more of that um i don't know if that sounds like an interesting idea to you daniel yeah, I think so. Why not? That's that's a good attitude to have. Why not? <laughs> Why not? More um, games and styles, the better. Yeah. And I, I'd be fine with them, too, continuing to build that as those spinoffs like they have with the other ones, like using a base game. Like I've said, that doesn't really bother me. So just just more weird stories, more weird side stories. Uh and, I, you know, at that point, if you're just saying, like, we're going to embrace the absurdity, I don't know that there's too much I wouldn't be interested in. Just kind of, if you're willing to embrace it and know that you're being ridiculous and you're self-aware enough, which they have been, I think, thus far, then it'll, it'll go okay. But, like I said, even if they don't, I'm still here, still enjoying it. All right, so next up on our docket is Shining Force, which I'm sure neither of us have many ideas on, so we'll probably wrap that one up pretty quick. <laughs> which 
I hope you realize by now is total crap. So, Alex, you want to kick us off with your Shining Force demands? Yeah, uh, I actually didn't even write any notes about this one. Um, I don't think I need them. Really, anything is a good start. (laughs) The Shining brand is still going today. And I think the last one is still Shining Resonance Refrain. As depressing as that is. Yeah, yeah. And if you like those games, like, I'm so happy for you. Um, That that sounded so sarcastic, but it's not. (laughs) Like, I'm actually happy that you enjoy those. Really what the Shining brand started as. And Daniel and I both wish they would get back to a little bit what it was. And that doesn't mean that your thing has to go away either. I think there's room for both. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's like the big point of it is that the things under the Shining banner are like so distinctly different than what it originally was that it's like there's room for both yeah absolutely room for both i i have said before in the past that too that it's not too shocking because the shining brand as a whole has really been about responding to trends and changing completely what it is over time so it's not shocking that it has changed over time but I think when they were under the Force, specifically Shining Force brand, that they really stumbled onto some gold. And that they need to get back to doing some more of those. And they tried as well uh, later with like Shining Force Feather. And it never got translated. Um, And I'm not even sure it's gotten a fan translation at this point. So for somebody like me that just speaks English and very little of other languages there's not a lot of hope for me to be able to experience that as intended so maybe a good start and refresher would be to translate that but really my my preference would be what daniel was saying to me before let's just translate shining force 3 first officially and release it in not a janky way because it came out as like how many discs do you know um that i'm not even sure about the Shining Force 3 has like been like f- fan translated, which who knows about the quality of that, not to like rip on any like fan translators, but like just give it to us. <laughs> yeah, um, a little bit of a different approach to I actually prefer fran- fan translations a lot of the time because I find that they translate it more literally instead of trying to localize it. I'm not I'm not big on localization. I more prefer just translation because a lot of the localizers, I think their thing is like, well, we need to make it more American and erase the Japanese culture bits and make it more American culture um, so that American audiences will understand. But I'm like, what if I'm if I'm reading or watching or playing something from Japan, just like I'm already okay enough with the culture. Just go ahead and leave it as is, you know, I'll I'll figure it out. But it doesn't change the fact that to Samurai, or sorry, not Samurai Warriors, uh, Shining Force is also a pretty niche uh, series. And so I'm not sure that we've also gotten the best fan translators. Um, And I appreciate the work that people have done, absolutely, because you did the work that nobody else was willing to do. But it's sort of a you did what you could. And maybe we have really great translations. I don't know. I haven't looked at the translations for all of them, but... 
it would just be great if in any way this was brought to Switch or PC or any sort of modern system that it could be played on better. And I absolutely, I mean, I know at this point there's a market for it because Fire Emblem has really exploded in popularity. And you can't really name another franchise that challenges it. You know, Mario has Sonic um, that challenged him for platformers. Um, There's just so much, you know, F-Zero with Captain Falcon. I mean, just racing games in general. Link is now competing with things like Skyrim in Breath of the Wild versus Skyrim. Um, But Fire Emblem doesn't have a main competitor. It just sort of is the only one of its kind. And I know there's ones that are similar, uh, like Warsong and... um, I think even the Dark Crystal just got one in the same genre. But let's not pretend that these are either of those are going to blossom into a franchise that could potentially challenge Fire Emblem's spot in the market. I think Shining Force can. Well, what Shining Force does that's very different than Fire Emblem is that your range of characters is much bigger because it's a much bigger world. Like Fire Emblem relies pretty heavily on medieval influence and like human characters. Shining Force, you're like you could have a team that has one human, like your main main character, and then the rest of your team could be animals or robots or anything. So like not only could it compete, it could give you these like super unique characters that would be far more interesting to play with than just like a bunch of like knights or students not not knocking fire emblem at all like it's amazing but shining force gives you that extra element like something that's really i'm really into like the marvel movies and comics and stuff and they've given us like a raccoon with a machine gun and a tree that can only say three words and like everybody loves them and like adores them Shining Force can give you that, whereas if Fire Emblem gave you like a raccoon with a machine gun, it wouldn't make any sense. But in Shining Force, it does make sense. And that's where you get really unique character models that you could use. He's not like weirdly exaggerating either. I thought that for a second, but then I was like, no, I could see you playing as a raccoon with a machine gun and it working (laughs) like exactly as that. Yeah, it wouldn't be that much of a stretch based on a lot of the other characters from the the franchise. And in these don't all have lore behind them that's that fleshed out, but it all like I can't fully explain it if you haven't played it. Tonally, it all just fits. Like there's an armadillo in a steam-powered suit of armor um that talks. And like there's never an explanation that like are there armadillo people? Um, where did he come from? Like, but it all just works and nobody questions it too much. Yeah. I mean, the ultimate goal would be Shining Force 3 fully released and then a Shining Force 4. And the thing that also sets it apart from Fire Emblem is that Fire Emblem, sort of the pattern of play is that, uh, you get story and then you go to a battle and then you get more story and then you go to another battle. And so you just kind of move from conversation to menu to battle, to menu to story to battle, over and over. But Shining Force has an adventure element similar to The Legend of Zelda, in that you explore an overworld, 
and the combat is just handled in a tactical RPG fashion. And I, I really haven't seen much else attempt that even. And to me, that's also something that really set it apart is that uh, I, I like the breakup more of the action. Because um, when I'm playing a Fire Emblem game, I can play, if I'm feeling really, really energized, I can probably play four maps in a sitting. They're just really intense. And uh, there's not a lot of off time for my brain, I guess. But in Shining Force, when you get to adventure and stuff, I can play that all day. Because the off, I, I get off time, I get downtime where I'm exploring and not having to consider my choices quite so thoroughly. I can go explore a town and talk to people or I can go explore the wilderness and look for secrets and things like that. So, yeah, the the downtime is just really nice. Because for a lot of these other franchises we've talked about, we've given kind of a what we'd like to see. And so sort of what I'm interested in is um, the games are not always super connected. Um, they kind of reference each other, but you don't have to have played one before you play the other. But the first Shining Force game opens with a cutscene that talks about um, the very creatively named Dark Dragon who shows up and starts ruling over the world before he is sealed away by a team of ancients. Uh, and there's little stone carvings that shows you of what this looks like. I would love for a story to uh, show us that. I'd love to learn the story of the ancients from playing it and seeing in depth how they did it. And um, sort of the very first shining force that defeated Dark Dragon uh, as a prequel. I think that would be really, really cool. And you could also still throw Easter eggs to the other games, like by having them talk about maybe the continent for, of Shining Force 2, if they're aware of it, if not, whatever. Um, there's a uh, bird god in Shining Force 2 called Vulcanon, and I think maybe Vulcanon could show up to help them fight potentially um because it would make sense that he would still be around thousands of years later um there's also a phoenix in shining force 2 maybe he could show up um there's a cyborg named adam in shining force 1 that seems to be have been built by the ancients so maybe he could be part of your party and uh then when, uh, you know, maybe he dies at some point or gets damaged and he falls. And then that's where you find him in the first game. Generations later, a thousand years later. I have lots of ideas about where this could go. How do you, how do you feel about that, Daniel? I think that all sounds good. I would definitely be open to have more of the lore given to us. Because we you're given a very specific slice of the pie of the lore. So to get even more of that would help clarify some of the things we've already played and I think like boosted up even more. I think that um, as far as it's hard to imagine getting any, anything at this point, <laughs> but mm -hmm. I have to imagine that they do kind of like what I was talking about earlier with golden sun. If they were to give us another game, it'd be either way, way back in the past or way, way in the future so as to not have to deal with continuity things, because a lot of people probably wouldn't go back and play. So if they release Shining Force 4 tomorrow, like I don't think a lot of people would go back, unless they're really inspired by the game, to check out what they missed. 
So I think they'd have to jump around the timeline to make that happen. Something I would like in that same vein, too, would be a release of all those old games on like a bundle or something. And they've done it somewhat with uh, like Sega Classics or something on all the current consoles that Shining Force is always a part of. And I think they might have even put two in it this time as well. I would love just a Shining specific bundle where they started with like Shining in the Darkness and did Shining Force or Shining in the Darkness through Shining Force 3 and then maybe even Translate Feather and uh, three, you know, three as well. But also um, the weird action RPG games that even Shining fans don't really talk about, like uh, Shining Force Neo and uh, Shining Force EXA. Because I think those are also part of the lore and continuity. Um, and there's like one other one that I'm not, that's not coming to mind. Do you remember what it is? Um, you've mentioned all the ones that I know. Or all the ones that are adjacently related to what we're talking about. Versus some of the other ones that have come out. There's Exo Neo, which you already mentioned. Uh it's not coming to mind. Uh, oh, yeah. Shining Force CD is another one. And then Shining Wisdom was the other one I was... Yes. Okay. Uh, I think Shining Shining the Holy Ark is also part of it. The CD ones are in the same vein and flavor of the originals. And those ones are really great plays. Uh, Shining Soul, I forgot, is another one that was part of that. I think... I'm looking at it on Wikipedia right now, and it says not from the same continuity, but I think that there are some nods to it. Mm-hmm. There's like 15 of them in total, but a lot of them are just sort of lost in translation. Yeah. Literally, I, in that case. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't think it would be too like hard to put all of them in a bundle because... like. The file size for Shining, the, a lot of those old games is so small. And like maybe, you know, whatever. If they want to Sonic Mega Collection us and then do Sonic Gems Collection and make it two releases, I'm fine with that. Like, it, as long as you add some little extra goodies in each bundle, I would maybe even prefer that, that I can focus on, you know, the first set and then the second set. Uh, any, any, bringing of these games making them more accessible for people uh i think that there's a already a niche community that would really appreciate it but i mean just a small push from something like a uh, nintendo direct if nintendo was willing to help out which i know it's their competition so like i don't know if they would you know show some of the combat that it's like hey if you like fire emblem and you like zelda uh this baby might be for you I think you'd get a lot of people that were willing to play it, especially if you put them all on the uh, the eShop. Because, I mean, Shining Force 1 and 2 at this point on Steam are all, I mean, dirt cheap. It's like a dollar. If yeah. you put them on the eShop for the same price and your buy-in to just try it is a dollar, I think a lot of people will be willing to spend a dollar to give it a shot. And then you can charge more for the ones that you need more work on, like uh, the three, the translation for three. You know that could be a thirty dollar game, or I mean, I'd pay sixty, but I know a lot of people wouldn't. But yeah, that could be a thirty dollar game pretty easily that I think a lot of people would buy. 
Sure. Um, that's about all I've got for Shining Force at the moment. I could probably talk about that one all day and all night, but Same. you guys don't need to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> and if you do want to hear that, drop us a comment and we'll keep going. <laughs> yep. I'm sure we'll cover those games on here at some point. So, Oh, yeah. It's almost like a force of habit. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about Fire Emblem. Hey, this is TC. And this is Jim from the Studio Demands It podcast. Where every episode we take a demand from a hypothetical studio. Which could be you. And challenge ourselves to conceptualize, pitch, and craft a film based on the stipulations. Or the demands. We are given. We talk about movies all the time. Particularly, we complain about the choices made in the films we've seen. We're nerds like that. And, of course, like any good nerd does, we automatically assume that we could do better. Even with the demands and restrictions that clearly must have been put on by a production. So head on over to studiodemandsit.com and listen to our previous library of episodes. Our library of previous episodes. Our precious library, Jim. <laughs> our library of precious episodes. <laughs> You're a pirate Smeagol. <laughs> uh, okay. So head on over to studiodemandsit.com to listen to our library of episodes. And submit your demand for a future episode, too. So go do that. Okay, bye. Okay, end of ad. Hi there, I'm David. And I'm Kate. And we're the hosts of Another Zelda Podcast. There are so many good podcasts out there, and some of them in particular concern The Legend of Zelda. <laughs> That's right, Kate, and we are another one of them. we That is actually the name of our show, Another yes. Zelda Podcast. And in our show in particular, we talk about some of our favorite dungeons, characters, boss battles. We have top ten lists. Yeah, we do deep dives on game design and production aspects of the different Zelda games. And we talk about our own experiences. We do some review episodes, talk about... About our challenges, our struggles, and our victories. That's right. You know, really just almost anything that has to do with Zelda, we like to talk about it. A new episode comes out every other Friday, and you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and YouTube. And you can also check out our episodes on our website, anotherzeldapodcast.com. That's right. All right, we will see you there. Okay, bye! I was hoping to open this one by talking about, uh, since we're kind of doing what-ifs, I thought it'd be good to talk about what they almost did do. Um, and I don't remember if I've mentioned this to you before. Do you know what their original idea for Awakening was? I do not. So they knew that the coffers, so to speak, were almost empty. And Fire Emblem was just not performing as well as they wanted. So they knew Awakening was going to have to be something special. So they kicked around a lot of ideas before settling on the time travel aspect and bringing all the series' characters back. It seems like one of the first main ideas they had was, we've never done Fire Emblem in the future. So they were going to potentially make it a sci-fi game. I see you grimacing. <laughs> not, not a fan of that idea? No, that doesn't sound... It doesn't sound like it translate the way they'd want it to, and it sounds like it didn't. Yeah, there probably is multiple reasons why they didn't go with that. Um, but I just thought it was interesting that that was something Intelligent Systems was considering at one point as the way forward. So for you, Daniel, what is the way forward? Way forward. I, I struggle with this because I was very happy with Three Houses. 
which is the most recent release, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, so it's hard to really think about where it would go from there. Uh, I, I have opinions if you want me to start. Uh, okay, go ahead. Um, I've played a little bit more Fire Emblem than Daniel has, though he's rapidly catching up to me. <laughs> so I, I've said on other shows, I started with uh, Path of Radiance and Radiant Dawn. And some of the older ones like that, even though by the series standards, that's, you know, number nine is what I started on. So is it really older? Um, something that I think we need to get back to is let's stop doing these multi-choice stories. I don't think it is a great fit for Fire Emblem. And it's been a couple, we've done a couple of these now. The past three have been that because we did Fates, which was three sto- three games essentially that's how they marketed it with birthright uh conquest and revelations and then we did the remake of gaiden which i appreciate them not changing but it is a split story between alm and selica and you play those two halves of the story that cross over at times and it still sort of gives you that feeling of two at least and then we get to three houses which there's four paths through um and this changes the entire game I'm just kind of ready to be done with that because I feel like each time they're splitting their resources by however many times they're dividing the game. In a game like Three Houses, where we're going to do four different playthroughs um, that are very different, we're splitting the resources of our one game four ways to try and create four games. And I appreciate them not marketing it as that, but it still sort of is that. And I think they didn't market it that way because they saw with Fates that it grew new expectations. And I think they got too big for their britches, so to speak, in that they said in Fates that there was not going to be reused maps. We were going to get all new maps for every single route through it, and there would be surprise characters and all sorts of things, and then none of those things happened. We got tons of reused maps. It was the same characters with no real surprises. And then Revelations, which I won't spoil here, um, just sort of fizzles out and it becomes really nonsensical and the story is really, really bad. And I think that they just ran out of resources. And they were better at managing it with the reboot of Gaiden and also Three Houses. But I can still tell that we're doing it four ways. Um, You're getting a lot of the same maps in three houses. And even sometimes when you're not getting the same map, quote, quote, like in the Ashen Wolves story, um, I noticed on one of the Ashen Wolves, the Ashen Wolves is a side story um, that you can get as DLC, just by the way. I noticed that one of the maps for the Ashen Wolves was a map that you get in the main game, but they like turned it sideways and that's it. So I just don't feel like they have the resources to continue doing this. But I'd like to see, because they definitely have more money than they used to, I would just really love to see another game like Path of Radiance with Ike, um, not with not starring Ike, but with an Ike-like character that just you just go through from start to finish, and it's a good game, and that's it. And it doesn't have to be infinitely replayable, or you know you play through it three or four times, I would like just one really, really good story that we can go through. How do you feel about that? I would agree with that. Um, having the multiple paths doesn't irk me, but again, I don't. I've only played the Game Boy Advance version, two games, and then 
three houses so far, so um, I'm not tired of it like I imagine more hardcore fans are. Going back to a single narrative is always nice to me just because I feel like games now are, oh, well, here's the game. You can go through the game as this character. It's very like multi playthroughs to do different things each time. So a single narrative would be great. Um, but I've I've enjoyed the multi like playing through the different houses. So I wouldn't mind seeing different version of that also. But yeah. Since I, I'm not as familiar with the franchise, I guess I don't necessarily know what we've gotten to know mm-hmm. what I'd want more of or less of because I've been happily satisfied with the three that I've played. So there's not really a complaint yet. Um, maybe a heavier emphasis on decisions. Like I feel like you're asked a lot of questions in Fire Emblem and you're allowed to respond to them, but your question like frequently both answers lead to the same result. So like why even bother asking me? Yeah. Maybe make it so if you're asking me a question whether I like one thing or I like the other thing, don't give me the same response of like the same like canned response. So like if I say I like sweets in the game, the character's like, oh, I do too. And then I say, oh, I like spicy. And the character says, oh, I do too. Like, what was the point of asking me to answer that question if it's not going anywhere? So make the like questions they ask you matter. Yeah, and I'd, I'd like to say too, um, the multiple path thing doesn't irk me exactly in concept. But my thing is just, if you're going to do it, really do it and make everything different. But at that point, you are genuinely creating two or three or four full games. And that's what I would want from that concept. But I also understand that that's not a realistic ask. (laughs) It's not not even fair. It would be a Um, massive ask. (laughs) Yeah, it's just not really fair. For me to say, you know, well, do four games, but that's kind of what you're trying to do anyway. So I'm just saying, you know, it doesn't bother me on paper. I would love that. But if you can't commit the resources to do it, don't don't try and strain yourself so hard. Like, I'm telling you to put in less work on the coding end, at least you're going to have to write a better story, I think. But as far as like creating assets and character models and all these things, I think that you don't have to do quite so much. Um, I'm asking you to bring the level count because if we're counting three houses, how many levels there are, like mission or maps and things, there's probably like 26 to 28 chapters per route through the story, and then multiply that by four, and then add the side story, which has like six. Like you have. To, like I don't I don't know I'm terrible at math but let's just say around 70 different chapters you've got to do and that is a lot of writing and it's a lot of animating and it's a lot of maps I'm asking you just make it like 35 or something like half of that just put more effort into those 35 sure I think that makes a lot of sense and I'm happy to see it continue either way oh yeah that's another one that's a mainstay for me that like I'm never gonna you know even their worst choices I've still found some enjoyment in. And if you're wondering what I mean by that, it's Fates. (laughs) It's again, like, if you love that game, I'm happy for you. I thought it was really bad. And just the gameplay is fine to some extent. 
Um, I love the gameplay of Fire Emblem. Always have, always will. And so more of that is never going to be like a huge negative to me. But I wanted a lot more from the story uh, that I didn't get. And even just things that are like, I feel mostly related to effort, not skill. It would have just taken a little more effort. They didn't want to. But I still found some enjoyment in that game anyway. And it's one of those things that like I tell people, um, if it's one of my favorite series, uh, be it movies, games, books, or even my favorite music artists, if I score it a 1 out of 10, that usually translates to like an 11 out of 10 on my score for everything else. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, even the worst, like I would rather play Fates over and over again than play a lot of other games. Like, that's just how I am, because I love the the franchise and the combat, and at the end of the day, everything. And Fates had some neat stuff, too. So, some of the cool things that Fates sort of does that I would like to see a little more in the future, it's it's not a secret. I, I was not a fan of the way F both Fates and, to a lesser extent, Awakening took the franchise. I just didn't like that direction as much. But um, something I did like from those games is that they took more into account the whole timeline of the series. And that is something I think is really big going forward. Awakening brings in weapons from Fire Emblem 4, Genealogy of the Holy War, and Thracia 776, which is Fire Emblem 5. Um, it brings in a character named Priam that is the descendant of Ike from Path of Radiance and Radiant Dawn. And then you have a... Uh, DLC mission from Fire Emblem Fates that is called Before Awakening and Krom, Lissa, and Frederick are on the road to somewhere. I don't think it's really specified. And they run into your characters from Fates. And um, I think it's I forget. I think it depends on which one you're with. I don't totally remember. But Xander or Ryoma, whichever the prince you're with, um, says, oh, you know, I'm Prince Xander of the Kingdom of Nor. And Krom says, oh, you mean like Nor is in the ancient kingdom of Nor? Like the fictional kingdom that's in our storybooks? And I'm like, okay. So Fates is so far at the beginning of the timeline that by the time we hit Awakening, they don't even remember that that's not fiction anymore. Like they they have questions about the con like the actual validity of that, but I love that in stories. I love wide spanning lore like that, and I know it's going to be a little weird because Fire Emblem I don't think was designed like that, and Awakening and Fates had to force it a little bit, but I don't mind them trying to force it a little bit because I like that whole continuity thing and them bringing everything in to make all of it matter and all of it makes sense in relation to everything else. Um, and there's some great videos you can go watch about the whole timeline of it all and where everything lands. Um, and they look at all these different things like where things could be on this hypothetical world. Um, but I just really like connectivity like that and things like Krom and Lissa being descendants of the hero King Marth from the first game. Um, I'd love to see more of that. I don't know how you feel about that, Daniel. Um, I Since I haven't played those two, that sounds good to me. Um, it, it, relate it to the ones that you've played, though. Like, Can you imagine um, 
you know, whatever the next game is, referencing the war from Three Houses. And to keep it all canon, I'm sure they'd have to do it vaguely. But all of the references are sort of vague anyway. Uh, I'd certainly like to see more connectivity between them. Like whether it's all these stories are happening on one larger map, which is something that is sort of like, uh, not to be too spoiler, I guess, but there, there's a little nugget of that in Three Houses. And I think that if they could find some way to have like the next game go into that, that would be great. Like I think there's a natural ending at the end of Three Houses that could lead into the next game. Well, you, you need to specify which ending of Three Houses. I would think that the Golden Deer ending of Three Houses would naturally propel into a single narrative next game where you could tie all the, not loose ends, but like semi-adjacent games into one narrative and have it totally work in a really cool way. That's really interesting because I have not finished Golden Deer's route. So I, I've only finished Black Eagles and Ashen Wolves for the people at home. Um, Daniel already knows this, but I cannot think of currently a way that you could somehow tie this all together where it's like, no matter which house I went with, all of my choices are still respected. And then we get a sequel that is somehow respectful of that. I do not know how that could happen. Um, at some point down the road, we're going to be doing some sort of massive three houses sort of episode. So oh, yeah. um, maybe can, series of episodes. Yeah, we will get um, that is your little teaser for our golden deer episode. And I, I won't say any more now out of respect for Alex, who has not finished golden deer route yet, but it, it could totally work. And, Based on the games I've played, it could totally work. If there's time travel-y things, that could make it harder. But I could see a very cool way to make that work. Some other ideas I have, just for sequels in general, um, just by the way, are uh, I would love... Um, we got Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, which was the prequel to Breath of the Wild and shows the war before Breath of the Wild. I would love to see the war before Three Houses as a Fire Emblem Warriors game. And I think that that makes a lot of sense, given the trajectory of what the Warrior series is doing at the moment with Hyrule Warriors um, and how vague that seems to be left in Three Houses. Uh, you only get little hints about it. But um, this goes a little bit against what I've said before, because what I really want from Fire Emblem Warriors 2, sort of what Hyrule Warriors 1 was, uh, a game that lets me play as the full history of the series like i want to play as uh hector i want to play as the dark knight from path of radiance i want to play as ephraim from sacred stones and Valter and all these other great characters from throughout the whole franchise but maybe we could get one that's not fire emblem warriors 2 and instead also you know i'm never going to abandon that because that is what i want more than anything but we could do a three houses spinoff where we could cover that part of the story how, how do you feel about that? Yeah, absolutely. Fully on board. Can fully see it. No questions asked. Give it to me now. Yeah, it makes, <laughs> it makes sense, right? Like, Yeah, and like, we'll get there, but yeah, the, the path is there. We <laughs> just need to walk it. 
Um, <laughs> another lore thing I would like in terms of a sequel. <clears throat> Remember how I said I wasn't that into Awakening? I would like a sequel to Awakening, potentially, that shows sort of the bad end. Um, and what I mean by that is... Uh, you haven't played Awakening, right, Daniel? Nope. Okay. This is not really spoilery, because everybody knows this at this point. You're aware of the character Lucina? Nope. No? Not even? Okay. Nope. Well, I, I don't want to... just know the three that... The two Game Boy and... I know Ike is a character in the GameCube one, and... Yeah. At least all the Smash characters. Uh, no. Okay. Well, I don't want to say too much, but then, but time travel is a big factor in Awakening. Yeah, sure. And you have kid, you marry people, and you have kids, and then your kids come back from the future to help you fight your war. And this is done well. It's not a shoehorned in mechanic. Like it all feels nice. And Daniel knows that I, I'm not super into the waifu stuff. I'm not really into marrying off characters and all that. But this is one of the few games that I'm like, no, it's kind of okay here. <laughs> um, because it serves a narrative purpose and it all makes sense. Um, but they are coming back from the future, which is like a grim, dark future. It's post-apocalyptic um, where you've they've lost the war. You have lost the war. And now the children are dealing with that. Um, I would love a side story that's like, let's see the children deal with that. And there might have even been some Awakening DLC that touched on it, but I, I think I would probably like a full a full sort of at least side release that covered that. Um, and another really weird sequel I would like is, uh, again, I hated Fates. It is my least favorite Fire Emblem. I would love to see a sequel uh, for it that kind of redeems it in some way. Because a lot of the lore questions were not very well delivered on. I would love to see some of those lore things be explained more and fixed more. And I think a sequel could potentially do that. And I don't know, again, how exactly. I think you'd have to take Revelations as the true ending. Um, but Revelations was always sort of intended to be the true ending. So I don't know that that fully matters. Um, but they just in, they just introduced so many interesting ideas that I would have loved to see come to fruition. Um, do you have any sequel ideas, Daniel? I'm on board with everything you said, actually. Um, just give me that. <laughs> <laughs> I have so many games left to play in the franchise that Again, I feel like if I said an idea, it might already be a game. So I just have to keep playing the ones that currently exist. <laughs> I gotcha. Um, another thing I'd really like to get away from is no more Avatar characters. And I know that's going to bother some people, but hear me out. <laughs> when you make an Avatar character, you have to... It, it's supposed to be you, the player. And in order to make that happen, the character can't make any ridiculous decisions that you wouldn't make, or it feels really weird. Um, because that's supposed to be you. Um, sort of like Daniel was saying, with decisions that don't mean anything. I think it might be even worse when you get a decision that does mean something, and it's not how you would act and you don't like it. Um, any of your answers. Because then it just feels like it's not you. You're being ra uh, railroaded into a certain way of thinking. 
that you don't like. And the character really is supposed to be more neutral um, in terms of backstory, in terms of everything, because it's you and you're not, you know, you should know your own past. I would much rather, and I know I keep going back to it, but it's because it's my number one and my number one RPG of all time. Uh, or no, I guess that's Shining Force, but one of my number one RPGs or one of my top RPGs of all time was uh, Ike's Games. I really liked Ike not being an Avatar character because you meet him where he is. And then when he makes a hard decision, it can be justified through who he is and who he has been. You, you know his past, you know his experiences, and then the conclusion that he reaches makes sense based on those things. Um, when you get a character like Robin or Corin or even Byleth. Uh, Byleth, I think, was a little bit better, but it just gets a bit annoying that, I don't know, I feel, I feel like my character is not defined enough in those games. And as a hero, they all sort of fall short for me um, as a consequence of that. Um, I think Corrin is probably the worst out of them, and then it goes... I'm not sure if I like Robin or Byleth more. I need to play more of Three Houses, too, I think, to figure that out. But I liked that at least Byleth had something going for him or her that was like, you're, you know, you're a professor, you've been a mercenary, you have some sort of backstory. Um, but then they also weirdly hide things from you, like your dad is really weird about his past with the church and he's like, Oh, they're super shady. Let me tell you about that. Oh, somebody's coming another time. And then we just never get to it. And you don't know who your mom is. And it's sort of treated as this weird secret, but like, I am the main character. I should absolutely know who my mom is. You know, (laughs) it doesn't make sense to hide that from you because you should know that. Cause I mean, what you're telling me you and your dad, when you're hanging out in the fields, you know, you're mercenaries and you you have nothing better to do. You never talked about it ever. I don't know. It just gets a little bit weird. They also integrated that for Byleth's character a little bit more, that he is more passive, though. Um, and people comment on that like it's weird. Um, you know, people know you as like the stone-faced teacher or something that doesn't really have an emotional response to these things. And I think that's fine for a game. But going forward, I can't have everybody be stone-faced or making decisions if they're supposed to be me that I don't agree with. Um, I don't know how you, if you, you've played Three Houses, I don't know if you feel the same about Byleth at least. Yep, I see what you're saying about, like, sometimes you're, like, forced to say something that you might not agree with just to get whatever response they want from that character. Yeah, and it's fine if it's not supposed to be you, but when it's supposed to be you, it gets a little bit weird. I'm trying to think if I, you know, uh, I could I could keep going. I don't know how much time we have, but there is at least one more. Um, before Three Houses came out, there was a leak that was obviously fake, but there the leak said that the Fire Emblem game we were, that was in development was going to be um, a darker game about pirates and vampires and this sounds a little bit weird but a lot of the plot sort of things sounded pretty interesting and i can kind of see it there are boat maps 
in a lot of the Fire Emblem games. And a lot of these maps are not great. <laughs> um, but I think that's more related to flying enemies. And if you didn't have so many of those, I think it might be a bit better. But sort of in that same vein, another thing that I would like from future Fire Emblem sequels is more map variety. And what I mean by that is like, give me a big castle to defend. Um, Fates had some of those that were pretty good, I thought, on, I think, Birthright's side, that it felt like I was assaulting a large castle. Let me not just be the one assaulting the castle, though. Let me be the one defending the castle sometimes. And let me do that in multiplayer as well. Um, I think Fire Emblem multiplayer is a no-brainer, but it hasn't been done super well as of yet. The best I think it's been done is in the Game Boy games with the Link Arena. Because it just let you pit characters against each other. But there was not a lot of strat strategy stuff in terms of map placement. Since they're all just in lines. And you pick who hits who. And that's it. Let me play with friends in ways that we sort of create more. Like maybe we can set our own rules. Like you know one player gets a massive castle. That they've got to defend. But they get three less people to do it. Um, because they have the advantageous position. Um, things like that. Uh, would you be interested in more of that, Daniel? Honestly, probably not. <laughs> That's fine. Um, I think it'd be weird to have like maybe head-to-head maps, like like good side, bad side, maybe. My students, in the case of Three Houses versus your students, might be interesting. But as far as like following a narrative plot with two people... Mm, I'm not saying a narrative plot. I'm just saying... Oh, uh, okay. Like head-to-head stuff? Yeah, head-to-head, but like... The the problem that we've had in the past in the franchise has been like uh, Fates just had exactly what you said, just head to head with like maps from the game. But the problem ends up being that whoever goes first or whoever engages first is at a massive disadvantage. Because yeah. if I charge into your forces, you know, I'm charging my Myrmidons into your knights and stuff, then I'm just completely out of position. And you have this really strong wall that you're ready with, with all your knights and your tanks and stuff. And then you can have your mages just rain fire on me, and that's the end of me. Yeah. So whoever breaks, breaks ranks first and attacks loses, typically. Yeah, um, which is why I'd have not a lot of interest in it, because it is very, like, unless you're doing something kind of weird. Yeah, that's why not. I'm saying to create more objectives for versus mode, like you know, hold the castle for te- for 20 or 30 turns um, to put pressure on the attacking people, but then you, as the defending force, get, like, three less units or something to try and offset that, that they have to break, break ranks and attack you. You cannot respond to that as heavily as you potentially could otherwise if the forces were more balanced. Um, <laughs> and then maybe give you some other toys to play with, too. Like, you get a ballista that has wide range. Um, as another way to put pressure on them. Like, once they start coming in, they better commit because they've got to kill this ballista guy that's focusing them down. Or you can just, you know, tank it with your tanks, but that'll take more turns, and then you have less turns overall, and they just have to hold for 30 turns. Um, Something like that, or like a King of the Hill mode. I mean, you could do whatever. Just give some objectives that make it so that it's not two lines of troops staring at each other. Um breaking ranks to or you know ending turn to see who goes first and loses um the youtuber uh bismix i think is his name 
has a whole sketch like parody of this that it's people doing competitive fire emblem fates and it's literally just people ending t- like sitting across from each other pushing end turn over and over and over going you move no you move no you move and that's as competitive as it gets because there's no incentives to do anything else uh, that's sort of the end of my thoughts though i think uh fire emblem as a whole is just like you know if shining force is my favorite series fire emblem is my favorite active series <clears throat> series that is still putting stuff out mm-hmm. so anything they do i'm immediately super excited for and i'll be a part of it i i also wish like it's not a video game thing i wish they'd restart their card game i i actually imported the cards and made my own translations for them and put them in card sleeves and made it look all nice. It was a lot of fun with friends, and I really wish they would do more of that as like a multiplayer experience. But anything that they do, I'm immediately really excited about. And uh, we are getting, we are, I think we're now past the point that is like the amount of days that it took to announce three houses. So we should technically be getting a new announcement anytime now of the next, what, whatever's next. I'm really excited for that. And I have my guesses as to what it's going to be that I guess I can just make here. Um, They might remake Ike's games. I know there's been whispers about that. There's been whispers about redoing Genealogy of the Holy War, which I'm going to be a little sad about if they do, not because they're redoing it. Um, I loved Shadows of Valentia and how they redid Gaiden. I think they did it with the utmost respect and didn't change really anything. And that's exactly how I'd want it. They just updated it. But Genealogy of the Holy War is one of the coolest sounding game names of all time. And I know they'd have to change it for the remake. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But hopefully they'd still make it really cool. I I know they would. So I'm I'm excited for any of those remakes. And if not, you know, maybe we'll get that Three Houses prequel. Or maybe we'll get something totally new. Maybe it'll be Pirates and Vampires or something. Who knows? But Intelligent Systems... um, I know they've recently said, and I think I brought it up on another podcast we did, but I'll say it again here. Um, they've talked about they have more resources now than they've ever had before. And they're interested currently in just expanding. They are hiring more people to work on more projects than they've ever done before. And I'm really excited by that. that that's what they've chosen to do rather than remain more of the same. So I'm hoping that we keep getting these weird projects like Warriors. Um, I don't know if I'd want another Tokyo Mirage Sessions. I don't even know if Daniel knows what that is. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) But I I don't think I'd want another one of those, but maybe something in the same idea. Same level of weirdness. What Tokyo Mirage Sessions was for you real quick was a Fire Emblem Persona sort of crossover that was also neither of them where a bunch of pop stars in Japan have to res- respond to a evil force stealing people's creativity. Uh, and they do this with sort of spirits they summon, like you talked about in Golden Sun. Um, but the spirits are the ghosts of Fire Emblem past. And so we get new versions of, like, Krom from Awakening. It was very Awakening-focused, which I didn't like. Uh, but they also put in some of Marth's game. And we just got these really weird characters. 
um, from some of these. In fact, uh, will you will you just Google? We can get your reaction on air. Um, will you Google for me um, Tokyo Mirage Sessions Chrome and just look at the design <laughs> and just give me your thoughts? Huh. And this is related to Fire Emblem? Yes. Huh. It, it came from the idea that uh, one of the, I guess, creative heads of Fire Emblem said he always had this image in his mind of a Pegasus Knight landing on top of Tokyo Tower. And so this was sort of his way to achieve that. Interesting. Do you like the design? I'm, I'm curious. It's not, it's not bad. That's what I thought. It's fine. <laughs> it's just a weird spinoff, and I would definitely like to see a little bit more of that. Just more weird spinoffs. Sure, why not? Uh, do you have anything else for Fire Emblem, or shall we move into our lightning round? Uh, nope, I'm good with Fire Emblem. Um, let's really put the lightning in this round. Oh, no problem. <laughs> so, I'll st- uh, do you want to start with Fantasy Star? Yep. So... Um, just briefly, I think Fantasy Star, um, I don't think we necessarily need a new game about it. I think we need the original games, which are um, fairly heavy on the environmental themes. I think they should be remade in a totally same game, same story, just remade in like a more modern art style and um, have the battle components of it reworked. Do you know much about it? Just really quick. I played Fantasy Star 2 a little bit because it was part of the same Sega Smash pack I got Shining Force on, but it was super unoptimized and crashed all the time, so I could never make it very far. Yep. So um, the art style for it is very, um, it looks like it was made in Microsoft Paint. So um, I like the, the colors, though. The colors. Like, are... I don't know if that's controversial, but like it does look like Microsoft Paint colors. Yeah. Like the palette very... they had. But I like that because it gives it a unique feel. Very straight colors, very straight lines, not a lot of angles. So I think like if you wanted to like do an updated version of it, maybe like a Three Houses, like a Golden Sun, just release the exact same game, new coat of paint, and see if you can like recapture that audience. Because the games are pretty solid and interesting. Mm -hmm. It's just the art is just, oh boy. (laughs) <laughs> so that's just a quick quick request that i have uh what's one of yours i'd also want the same music just to add on to that i liked the music a lot at least in two. Oh yeah the music is good all right my lightning rounds are even quicker than that um <clears throat> so these are uh franchises i think could be easily fixed that have been derailed mostly are rpgs but not all of them are uh earthbound slash mother translate the third game and officially released it there is and officially release it uh the resistance to do so is pretty absurd at this point it almost feels like nintendo is just trying to prove a point and stick it out uh and it's become a challenge at this point to not do it um Star Fox, make another game like the old ones you don't need new gimmicks f-zero make another game like the old ones you don't need new gimmicks paper mario and mario rpg games Make another game like the old ones. You don't need new gimmicks. Are you noticing a pattern here? Yes. Uh, Elder Scrolls. Release Skyrim again. I can't play it on my smart fridge yet. 
<laughs> um, I'm just kidding. Uh, and then I wanted to end us. Uh, that's all I've got for lightning round for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did have one other thing, and I wanted to end us on a really high note. And this is things I don't have really much thoughts on, but it's just game fran- a couple of franchises really quick that I think are on a really good trajectories at the moment. Um, and that is Final Fantasy. Uh, Final Fantasy is more accessible than ever. 14 is becoming a mainstay MMO, which I thought was impossible as late as it launched in the game. Um, and the old fans, it seems like, are being kept happy through spinoffs like uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, uh, all these spinoffs of old games. Um, so if both old and new fans are overall happy, you're in a pretty good place. Um, Final Fantasy XV also did really well, it seems like. Um, Monster Hunter. Monster Hunter was always a niche series, more loved in Japan than the rest of the world. Um, and it required a lot of skill. But Monster Hunter World brought it to a new level of mainstream and didn't really sacrifice anything. Um, which I also was not sure was possible. Uh, I think that'll positively impact the rest of the entries in the franchise, uh, moving forward. And they've already been using that newfound success to expand the brand into Monster Hunter Stories games, which are turn-based RPGs um, that are very Pokemon-esque. They're definitely on an upward trend, and I'm happy for them. Uh, And the last one I have is Dragon Quest, the ancient franchise that started a lot of this. Uh, It it just influenced so many other RPGs. Um, They've been expanding, though, recently into new genres with things like Dragon Quest Builders, and Nintendo seems to help uh, have helped again with the marketing push for Dragon Quest XI, um, bringing it to Switch and putting a, uh, the hero in Smash seems to have uh, ignited a lot of interest in the series uh, stateside, at least. Um, I think that they need to release Dragon Quest X, which is an MMO, for a global audience. But other than that, um, it seems like they are globally in a better position than they've been in in a very long time. And so I'm curious to see where they go with that newfound success as well. Or, I guess, reinvigorated success. Uh, That's about all I got. All right. Well, after our massive two-parter on where we would like these to go, uh, I guess the studios have a lot to be working on. Uh, I mean, I hope so. It'd be really cool if uh, some game developers were listening and wanted to take any of these ideas. I know. If we get one-tenth of our list, that would be insanely amazing. Oh, yeah, for sure. But everybody, thanks a lot for listening and tagging along for our first ever two-parter. Um, and be sure to check back with us next week. Yeah. Um, if you want, uh, you should definitely comment on our Twitter, uh, reply some, uh, of what your favorite franchises are and where you want them to go. Um, we're always open to talking about this and who knows, uh, maybe you'll prompt us to have a whole discussion on your ideas. We will absolutely do that. I respond to literally everything. So until next time. Be well, everybody. Bye. Bye.